Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allows you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. Amen. Good morning. Children, you are dismissed for your children's church class. Have a great time. Enjoy. For the rest of you, if you take your Bibles and turn with me, we're going to start in the book of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. And as we prepare for this time in the Word, I need a couple volunteers. I love seeing that hand. Here, here's Peyton. Marissa's like, yes. Peyton's like, I think I do. I'm not sure I do. I think I do. All right, come on, Peyton. You come. And then you help me by all of the people that are in here. And they can't be your age, so they have to be, like, older. You choose one other person. They can't be related to you. And they can't be and they can't be under the age of 20. Miss Emmy. Okay. Emmy. Come on up. You have Peyton to thank. I did not choose you. Today, we are going to talk about, come on over here, Peyton. We're going to talk about um, the, the word for today. I feel like I'm on Sesame Street. The word for today is, it's chosen. All right? That, that's what we want to think about and talk about. It's one of those things that I think we struggle sometimes with when it comes to God and when it comes to us living life. I think most of the time, as followers of Jesus, if we've given Jesus our heart, we're okay to say, okay, God chose me. But sometimes we wrestle with this idea that I would be chosen, but so-and-so isn't chosen. Why, why would God not choose them? Or the reverse of why would God choose them? I was teasing with the men who prayed with me this morning. I said, Maybe that's how everybody feels when I get up to speak. God, why do you choose that guy to speak? Um, but you think about that in your life and, and how God works. And so we want to talk about um, how we are chosen. And let me just start. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, that, that today God invites you to that choice, that decision. God does give us decision. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But... God in his infinite power, in his infinite wisdom, he knows all and he knows who will choose him and who will not. And yet it says in Ephesians that he chose us before the foundation of the world. And so how do we, how do we wrestle with that in our mind? So we'll get to that in a minute. But if you have not yet accepted Jesus, today he invites you to that decision. And I hope that, that you will be, as Andrew said, open to that for those of us who are chosen, may we listen today, all right, and take, take a little nugget with us. So, Peyton, 
I chose you, correct? Yeah. yeah. Are you scared? No. Are you tired? Okay. Did you have any coffee this morning? No. I had three cups of coffee this morning. <laughs> Dina's like, you can keep preaching all day. I'm like, no, you say that, but you don't really want me to. Um, so you chose Miss Emmy, right? Miss Emmy, did you have any decision in that? You could have, yeah, you could have just sat there and held your son and would have been like, and ignored that, right? But that would have, you had a little bit of pressure. Other people were around and seen, and you wouldn't want to disappoint Peyton, right? So I'll give you the first choice since you had no choice with her. Um, I have multiple pockets on me. So I have an inside coat pocket, left inside coat pocket, right. I have a shirt pocket. And then I have something on the stage. So you get to choose out of all that, you get to have a choice of which one you want to see what's in the shirt pocket. The shirt pocket, lifesavers. All right. So you, they're taped shut. (laughs) They're taped shut because they were in my desk and I, have sometimes visitors <clears throat> who come to visit my, so I have to childproof my stuff. They're allowed to do the gumballs, but my, yeah. So Peyton, you have uh, two choices, okay? You have either this pocket here or this pocket here. Which one would you like, the right or the left? Uh, the right. The right. Okay. Um, Go ahead, put your hand in that pocket. Put it in there. It doesn't open. open. I gypped you, didn't I? (laughs) Okay, now you get a choice between the left pocket or what's on stage. What's on stage? I can't tell you what's on stage, but you can choose between the left pocket or what's on stage. The one that's on the stage. See, you're smart. Good job. So now that you know this, this is what's on stage. You don't get everything that's in here. All right? But you get to choose between what's what's in here or what is in the other side of the inside pocket. Okay, so you want this one. You get a kiss. What you gave up was a dollar. Are you disappointed? You can say yes. Are you disappointed? No. (laughs) You take your lifesavers, right? Yeah. Sometimes we think um, as we live life that it's kind of like a game like this. That God God looks down at creation well, he just chooses over here and he just chooses over here and it, it all works out eventually, but it's like this fun little game of, of choosing. And yet it's something so much bigger than that. And we want to look at that uh, in the word, but first, will you help me by thanking our helpers? Thank you guys. We start where Paul, we see the beginning of this book, 
that Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, and as he's writing this, he, he shares this phrase um, that's really important for us to not skim by. And I think it's something that we live life, and again, in the back of our mind as followers of Jesus, okay, I'm chosen by God, but how much does that really encourage us, and how much does that really dictate with how we live each day? And so in this book, First Thessalonians, I'm uh, just going to start in the first verse. It is, it's also will be up on the screen for you. First Thessalonians chapter 1, and uh, we, I want to read through verse 5. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. So he's just saying, hey, this is who's writing to you, and this is who I'm writing to. All right, this is who it's from and who it's to. And then there's a greeting, grace, grace to you and peace. Verse two, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then verse four says this, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. That verse four helps us to see, we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Today, Pastor Aaron, speaking to you, the church at West Hill, who have gathered together you are a follower of Jesus Christ. God has chosen you. God chose you. What does that mean to you? Is it that he chose one pocket over the other? So he got a good treat instead of an empty pocket? I think we can all agree that God does not make mistakes. Amen. Maybe half of you agree to that. The other half, maybe you are wrestling with that. God does not make any mistakes. He's perfect. And so in that, we live life sometimes questioning, well, God, why would you do this? We read that even in the Psalms where David, a man after God's own heart, is wrestling with what God is doing and why God would allow his enemies to, to what it appeared to have victory why would God allow this circumstance to take place, this situation? Why would he allow hurt or disaster? Why would he allow pain and suffering? We question those things. Very few times will we often stop and question God when good things happen. God, thank you so much for the beautiful weather it, I can't believe that you chose me to experience this weather today. We'll thank him for the weather, but we don't think about the choice. God chose yesterday to be yesterday, and he's choosing today to be today. So as you go throughout your every single day life, God, in choosing, makes no mistakes, and he has not made a mistake in choosing you. When we look through the scriptures, we see uh, several different examples 
of God choosing. So this isn't something new, some new theology that Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica about. We see it in, in Genesis 13 and 11, the same term where, God, where Lot and Abraham were there and God's brought them to uh, like a little peak where they can look out upon the land and they have to choose. And so Abraham gives Lot and Lot chooses his own land. That term chooses is the same that we see here. God uh, allowed Lot to make a choice of that land. Lot chose for himself that land that looked really good. We also see it in Joshua, Joshua 24, 15. As Joshua has taken over for Moses and followed in his footsteps of leading the children of Israel, and it comes to the end of Joshua, uh, the, the, the book that we have, the, the writing of Scripture where Joshua has led them, and they've taken over uh, some of the land, not all of it, but some of the land that God had promised uh, to the Israelites. And, and Joshua puts out this proclamation, as for me and my house... We will choose. You must now choose. We will serve the Lord, he says. Now you must choose. It's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. You choose this day who you will serve. See, not only did God choose you, but God gives us choice. And so as we wrestle with this, well, can I make a good choice or a bad choice or a good choice and a gooder choice? I did that purposefully, okay? Let me let you in on a little insight. Sunday nights, we have our college and career, uh, Iron Sharpens Iron, that meets in our home. So every time that I say some kind of made-up word or I say something silly or wrong, um, I hear it from that group. They let me know every Sunday night. So I do have um, a critiquing board that helps me become better speaker, uh, a better speaker. So I just looked at Seth and Dana, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to talk about that tonight. So we see in the Old Testament this idea of choosing. Um, I don't think I have this passage in here, but why don't you turn with me real quick to the book of Romans. And I, I want to show you Romans chapter 11. So that that's not on there, Lene, so... Um, don't worry about trying to find that. But Romans chapter 11. And we'll just start in verse 1, but we want to look at verse 5. And, and Paul is writing about Israel and how God has still chosen, um, even though he's opened the gospel to, to the Gentiles as well, there's still a remnant. Remnant is a small piece of fabric, like a small thread and we see that all throughout the, the Old Testament. Back a few years ago when we went through every book of the Bible, we saw that, that theme, the remnant, the, uh, the, the people that God had chosen that, that were following him and being obedient to him. There was still a small group. And so Paul is writing here that there's still that remnant of Israel, even though God's opened the gospel to also the rest of the world, to the Gentiles. So Romans chapter 11, verse 1, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God 
against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I am left, and they seek my life. But what, what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Paul, as he's sharing, he says, listen, there, there is, the gospel is still open for, for God's people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. But we also get a little other insight that God, when he chooses, it's done out of his grace. You say, well, that doesn't take a rocket scientist. When God chooses and he makes decisions, I don't know exactly why God chooses and makes all of his decisions. What I see here, though, what Paul points out to us is that as God has chosen people to be in his presence and to follow him, it is based out of his love and ultimately what we see here, out of grace. It's an outpouring of grace. So you sit here today chosen by God because he has poured out his grace to you. One of the things that I struggle sometimes as a pastor, and especially being uh, one who has preached to you now for about 15 years, is do I say the same thing over and over again? Do I get repetitious? Do you, do you get tired of hearing the same thing? Here's what I hope we, we, that you never do. I hope you never get tired of hearing about how much God loves you and how much his grace has been poured on your life. We have a world that wants to constantly tear us down and, and, and we have an adversary who desires to, to defeat us. He's the father of lies. He wants you to believe in every lie that is contrary to the word of God. He wants us to be focused on things that are not the truth. And so if you're hearing this again and again and again, Maybe, just maybe, God wants you to pinpoint in on this that God chose you because he loves you and because it shows you his grace. We won't take the time to look at all. all I, I've got, a, <laughs> this morning I said, yeah, I have about 25 verses that I want to share. And Lene, who's doing the, the computer in the back, she's like, really, 25? And, you know, following me and all that, trying to, I said, no, I won't share all that. What's interesting, when you, when you look at the verses around this idea of being chosen, and let me encourage you to do that, to do a study, dig into the word, see where you find that word chosen or, or God chose, um, that as we look at that, we see over and over, this isn't something that is just new for the church, it's something that we read throughout all of scripture and it's something that, that should help us, help us to realize the insignificance that, that God doesn't always work the way we think he should work. When we, when we flip over, and, and if you want to, 1 Corinthians uh, 1, Paul is starting this letter to another church, the, the believers in Corinth, and as he starts this, um, this letter, in the beginning of this letter, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 28, we see that as he has, uh, as he's explaining how God has worked 
and saved those around the church there in Corinth. He says this, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. I don't think it's up there, but God chose, the next verse, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. All throughout Scripture, we see this idea of God choosing not because of our works, not because we can do something. I believe that we see this idea of God choosing us as his followers so that it takes, us, it, takes it out of our hands and God gets all the glory. Because think about it. If, it. if it is about me choosing God, which I have to make a decision. I make that decision to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But if it, if it is anything other than that decision that, oh, I, I, look what I did. Now it becomes about me. There are some people who struggle with this term. God is a jealous God. And we struggle with that because we think of jealousy as this idea that, that oh, it's, it's selfishness. It's, it's out of this idea of all, wanting just for self, self-gain, self-pleasure, self-desire. God, God is the one who's above all, right? So he, if he is the creator of all, then he's in charge of it all. God makes the rules. God has laid out expectations. He's the one who is supreme. So in that, God has the right to say and to do and to think however he wants. Now we know God's character is perfect. And so in that perfect character, he's not uh, desiring out of just a self-absorption. But in that perfectness, God knows it is all about him because he is perfect, because he is supreme. You say, Pastor Aaron, what in the world are you talking about? It is, it is beyond comprehension to think Right, That there is a God that big that he created us for his glory. And yet we think in human low terms, we think in about 90 years terms, what choice am I going to do today? What can I do? What is it about? Oh, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I marry this person? Should I date this person? Should I have children? Or should I get a job? Or should I... In our choices, we're so, we're so earthly focused that it's so hard to see this God that is so big and supreme and who, out of his motivation for all things, is to draw us closer to him. It's to say, you are my creation. As human beings, I've made you in my image. In that uniqueness that as humans, we have an opportunity to communicate and to have feelings and and to have a will unlike 
other animals and beings on this earth or wherever they may be, if you want to think that there's stuff in outer space, all I know is we as human beings are unique because we're created in the image of God. And there's something special in that because God doesn't want to just leave us on the fringes. In creating us in his image, the whole desire for God is for us to be able to see how awesome and big he is and to worship him, to give him our lives, to draw closer to him, not to read this book as one where, okay, here's the list of things that I must do and the things I must not do, the rules and regulations of a religion No, God, in sending his son, didn't give us rules and regulations of a religion. He says, I want to have a relationship with you. And I choose you. I I choose you because I want you to know me more. And you say, well, I, I don't know why he chose me. I don't know why he chose me. Other than to say, he... He wanted to display his grace. And it's not only for me, it's but for the world to see who he is. So why do we live our lives so self-focused? Because we listen to the lies of the deceiver. This morning, it is my encouragement that you, that you please take note that your life is of great value. Not because you do something great, not because you're way smarter than I am or that you're so intelligent or you have such common sense or that you have all the money in the world or that you have these gifts or talents or time. No, you have value because God sent his son Jesus and that Jesus died on the cross For you. That shows me that every single one of us has great value. Because God was willing to give his own son as a sacrifice. Not just bulls and goats, sheep, throw a pigeon on there. That wasn't good enough. Flip over real quick the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1.4, probably a familiar intro for you. You may have heard this before. I encourage you, if you want to, take this verse, write it down, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put it somewhere where you're going to see it so that you can be reminded. Ephesians 1.4. I'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. God chose us before the foundations of the world through Christ that we should be holy and blameless. We aren't holy and blameless because we have done anything or could do anything. We are holy and blameless because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
We've been chosen because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been chosen through him. It's an act of love. It's an act of sacrifice. And so how do you and I respond to this idea and this thought, this concept that we are chosen by God? Flip over, if you would, to 2 Peter 1. Second Peter chapter one. Peter is writing in this uh, second letter to the Jewish people who have been called. He's encouraging them. You've, you, you've, God has shown you. He has given you knowledge, and He's given you great qualities that you're living out. And then he comes to verse 10 and he says this, therefore brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. That word election can be also translated choosing. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and being chosen for you, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. We have an opportunity as we make choices every day to confirm God's choice. We get to show a world who Jesus is. And, and, and this is, sometimes I wonder, sometimes I question, and you can, you can wonder too, maybe you've been there, why at the point of salvation, when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, why at that point does God leave us here? Why doesn't he just take us home? We made a choice. I'm declared right. All of my good works are like filthy rags, so it doesn't matter. I mean, my good works show and should display Jesus, but why, why would God leave people here who are his children? I think ultimately it's because he wants us to grow in our relationship with him. I think he wants us to not only grow in our relationship with him, but that relationship is like a fishbowl and the world gets, gets to see, it's on display, what our lives look like. So that the world that is outside of that bowl can see this is a person who has made a choice and Peter is saying, listen, you have an opportunity to confirm what God has done in your life. So why would we try to dirty the water? Why would we try to cover up the sides? Why would we go and hide in that cute little house that we buy for our goldfish that just hides in there? Are we ashamed are we scared? Are we just in a bad mood and mad because life isn't fair? I say those because that I've been there. And the challenge is for us to say, God has chosen me. And Paul says in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world. So we go back to what I started off with well, why has he chosen me and he's not chosen? I don't know. 
And you will never know either, probably. So why are we going to wrestle with things that we don't have control over? I loved uh, one of my professors, my fir- one of my first classes that I took in, at BBC was World Civilization. It was an awful class. It was 8 o'clock in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It was just the worst. That was before I knew, and some of you are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you schedule stuff that you have, you're oblivious to, you schedule an 8 o'clock class for Monday. Really? Like, why would you do that? You say, 8 o'clock, that's not bad. Well, yeah, back in college, that's bad, all right? But 8 o'clock, world civilization, Dr. Bird, he was like 85 years old, teaching us about world civilization, Not a good combination for staying awake. But one of the things that as he walked us through world civilization that I I just soaked up was as, as we think about being chosen and how God has chosen us and how he was talking about evangelism and how God calls us to share and to tell the world about who Jesus is. In the next few weeks, you're gonna be hearing firsthand from some missionaries that we support about how, how the gospel is going out to reach people. And that needs to happen because how can people believe if they've not heard? And how will they hear if they've not been told? But he said this, he said, as you go and evangelize, how do you know if that person is chosen or not? See, what we do in our mind, we think, oh, that person, that, I, think, I think they might be ready. I, I remember my buddy Craig in high school, and I remember sharing the gospel with him. I shared it over and over and over. I had, God gave me multiple times. And every time at that point in high school, he said, Aaron, I'm not ready. Aaron, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in what God, I have too many questions. And so going off to college, I thought, is he ever going to accept Christ? We don't know who's going to trust Christ or not. We don't know who is chosen and who isn't. But God's given us an opportunity to live every single day pursuing the God creator who placed us here, who wants to have a relationship. And in that, we get to display for the world and we get to share with the world who Jesus is. Not knowing who is going to trust him and who will not. We're called to be obedient. I'm not to always question what God desires. Now don't get me wrong. It's not always wrong to ask God questions. It is wrong to demand answers though. I believe that's Job's biggest mistake as you read through the story of Job. Job demands an audience with God. Because I think it's not only to tell God what he thinks, but he wants answers. In God choosing you and me, we live each day. And there are times that we have questions and there's times that things don't make sense. And there's real times of sorrow and hurt. And where we can cry out to God and to know that he is a loving father who's there to listen But shame on us if we are the creation demanding an answer from the great creator. Like we have some power or authority over him. No, we are here to display 
our great creator. We are here to show a lost world that there is hope. And so if we're always constantly questioning, God, what does that look like as those who observe us? I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's one step in front of the other, trusting, accepting, believing, and holding on to, even when it looks really bleak and it's really hard. Those of you who are parents and you have children, do you like it when your children constantly question you? I remember when the kids were smaller and they would just ask those series of questions. Well, why? Well, why? Why? Why are we doing that? Why? It's as bad as that N-O word. Do you want this? No. You want a cookie? No. You want to go to your room? No. When we continue to question God, it gets in the way of seeing what he is trying to reveal to us. We have an opportunity once a month that we've set aside here at this church to reflect and to remember what God's done for us. And we participate in this thing called communion. And in participating, um, we, we look at the two parts, the, the bread and the juice, and they are representative of what our Savior's done for us. The bread being that Jesus came as a human, born from the Virgin Mary, he lived this perfect and sinless life, and that his body was broken. Jesus, as he ate with the disciples in that last supper, he said, take eat, this is my body. It wasn't Jesus' body. He didn't rip some of his flesh off and hand it to them. He took the bread and said, this is representation of my body. It's broken for you. And then the cup he passed around and he said, this, take a drink. Because this represents a new covenant. And again, for us, it's sometimes hard. We miss this idea. But a covenant wasn't made real until there was a sacrifice of blood. It was just writing on a paper until there was a sacrifice that stamped it to be true. And Jesus says, this, this is the stamp. This represents, it wasn't his blood. He didn't cut a vein and drain some into a cup and say, here. No, it was a representation of something holy and blameless and perfect. It was the blood of the Savior, the Lamb of God, that says this is a new covenant that God has with man That if we would believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again three days later, we would have eternal life. The covenant that God offers to us, to you, and to many of us, we've accepted that precious gift. And so we'll take part in just a moment and we'll eat and drink together.
And I hope and I pray that we do that to the glory of God. But may we not come to this table quickly letting it go, diminishing it, making it smaller than what it is. May we come to this table understanding that God has chosen me. God has chosen you. If you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, may, you, may, may that sink into the core of your soul today. May you see what great value you have and how God desires to continue for you to grow in his wisdom and his knowledge that you may continue to see and to know God more. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not yet trusted Jesus as your Savior, let me encourage you just to let it pass by. This is for his children, those who have made that choice to follow him. And let me be as bold as I can without hurting anybody's feelings this morning. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ and you're doing what you want to do in life, you're mocking God. If you're living in sin and rebellion, know that you have a loving and gracious God who desires to forgive you. He is there with arms open wide. He loves you. He died for you. But he did not die so that we could live however we want to live. Jesus didn't die so that you could selfishly live and be a part of this world and do whatever you wanted to do. No, we read in the word what sin is. Sin is in direct rebellion against God. And so don't you come to this sacred place right now where we remember the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us and flippantly take part in this as you go live your merry life however you want. I say, Pastor Aaron, you're pretty strong. We need to be real. Let's talk about it. Let's be real. If there's sin in your life, repent and turn from it. Say, I don't know what that, what that looks like. You start by admitting that you have failed God. But you don't stay there. Because in admitting to God, God, I have failed, there's something wonderful that happens. It's hard. It's hard to come and admit that you've done something wrong. But in that admission, when we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. He makes us clean. So admitting that we did something wrong, not just saying, okay, I admit, I feel bad, I'm sorry. No, it's an admission to say, 
my sin is real and it's direct rebellion against you, God, and I need to take this seriously. And I ask that you would please forgive me and help me walk obediently with you. Help me to do life the way you want me to. May we not cheapen God's grace, the same grace that we've seen that he's chosen us from. You have days of struggle, days of hardship, days where you just want to rebel and you want to do your own thing. I think we've all been there. If not, ask your mom. Would you bow your heads with me as, as you're there? It's you and God right now. As you've heard him speak to you, what do you need to tell him? God, we come to you as broken people. Realizing that we don't deserve an eternal relationship with you. You've displayed your love to us in that while we were enemies of yours, We were rebellious. We were opposite of you that your son Jesus died for us. Jesus gave his life for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you that he would die in my place, in our place. Thank you that he took all of our sin and the punishment that it deserved upon the cross. Thank you for displaying your character and who you are and that we can see that and we can read of that. We can sense that and hear of it and know it, but also that our soul can feel it. Thank you for your spirit that lives inside of your children. That you love us so much that you you don't want us to be content and living apart or away from you or strained from you. And so, Lord, I pray for those who, who have lost their way, whether it's a step or they've headed down a road that is in opposition of you, that they would know and experience your grace this morning. That they would come running to your arms and be reminded of how much you love them and that they would repent, that we would repent and turn from our own sin and selfishness. Lord, it's our desire this morning to come to this table in remembrance of the one who gave his life for us 
And we want to do that in a pure and right way. You don't want more sacrifices. You don't want more offerings. What you want and what you've told us, Lord, is a pure and right heart. You want us to come to you. And so may we come to you in this moment. Lord, I pray for any who have not yet given their life to Jesus, that today they would humble themselves and give their heart to you by trusting that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sin believing that he was buried and that three days later he rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death. And he lives today in heaven waiting for his return back here. You've told us in your word, Lord, to participate here in this table until Jesus comes again. And so we want to be obedient to that. We've come into this place to honor and to worship you. Thank you for meeting with us. We ask that Jesus would be our guest at this table, that he would be high and lifted up. We love you and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have our men come forward as they come and prepare to serve you and as they do, There'll be two cups. The top cup is the juice. The bottom cup is the bread. So you'll want to make sure that you grab both of those. And then if you would hold on to those until everybody is served, and then, uh, and then we'll partake together if you would.
we come as imperfect people to participate in something that represents something so big and so great. Uh, we partake proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And so we eat of this bread which represents the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And this cup, which represents the new covenant, it's a new covenant of Christ's blood. We drink of it remembering what God has done for us and the great sacrifice So now that you know that you're chosen, you've been reminded of that, what action, what action is God calling you to do? What does that look like? Pastor David's gonna come and he's gonna ask the men to come for the offertory and as Vince plays, I wanna encourage you to think about before you leave, okay, I've heard a message, we've read scripture about God choosing me what difference does that look what choice or choices do you need to make on a daily basis or even today because God has chosen you